return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Amen. Okay. So God richly bless you so much for making it to this morning's Sunday school. Um, shall we bow down our heads for a short word of prayer? Our most high God, we give you praise. We honor you and we bless you for a wonderful time like this. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for our families. Thank you for our friends and loved ones. Thank you that this morning we are alive and in your presence. We commit our hearts, minds, body, soul, and spirit to you, O God. And we pray that this morning may you feed us with your word. May you bless us, O God. Let us live here victorious in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank God for, for today. Um, today is Pastor's Appreciation Day. Okay. So I, last, last, last week, I, I preached about appreciating your, past, your, your shepherds. Okay. And I believe that the word of God has sunk deep. So, I just encourage us that we should continue to appreciate our shepherds because they do so many things for us spiritually. The Bible says that they have been made shepherds of our souls. And they go through a lot, you know. The enemy also fights against them because they are also fighting for souls. And the enemy is also after souls. And like I said the last time, David said that when I'm in the field taking care of my sheep, and then the, the, the wolves and then the lion and the bear come for the sheep. You know, I go for the sheep, snatch the sheep from the mouth of the lion, you know, and then these lions and bears turn back at me. And that is the work of the shepherd. Because constantly they pray for us, because constantly they intercede for us, constantly they feed us with the word of God so that our souls are nourished, so that we'll be saved on the final day. The enemy sees them to be a disadvantage to him. So he fights against them, fights against their family and all that. So it is imperative that as, as sheep, we pray for our shepherds. Amen. But this morning, we will not talk about that. Um, I know more will be said in the course of today's service. Today, I want us to learn something from a group of people called the Rechabites. The Rechabites. So lessons from the Rechabites. Let's read Jeremiah 35, 12 to 16. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Go and tell the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, Will you not learn a lesson and obey my words? Declares the Lord. Jehonadab, son of Rechab, ordered his descendants not to drink wine. And this commandment has been kept. To this day they do not drink wine, because they obey their forefathers' command. But I have spoken to you again and again, yet you have not obeyed me. Okay. Yeah. So basically, this is just a paraphrase of the whole story. But when you read scriptures, you realize that most often when God wants to tell his people something, or when God wants to sing a message 
deep down the hearts of his people and they are refusing to obey. Most often God tries to do to use references. You know, when you read the New Testament, the Bible talks about anxiety. And in Bible, Jesus was telling his disciples that they should be anxious about nothing. You know, they should consider the lilies of the field. He always uses the lilies of the field as a reference. Bible says that they do not toil, they do not spin. But you see, they are always growing. And even Solomon, with all his splendor and all that, does not have that glory that these lilies have. Look at the birds of the air. You know, they don't, they don't sow, they don't reap. But always God takes good care of them, you know. And when it comes to laziness, you know, we read the Old Testament. The Bible talks about the fact that God refers us to the ant, that we should learn from his ways. So even as humans, you know, we always try to refer to good things in order to change certain things. For example, in my home, you know, my little kids eat around the same time. There are times you realize that one of them has very good appetite and will be eating, and the other will not be eating. And then you point to the other one that, look at your sister, you know, look at how she's eating. It's delicious, you know, I'm encouraging you to also eat, you know. And sometimes when maybe someone, one of them does something that is so bad, then you tell, look at your sister, look at how she's comforting herself. All in a way of trying to, you know, sink deep your message into their minds and get them doing what they want to do. And this is similar to what happened, you know, in the times of Jeremiah. You know, when you read this scripture, the Bible talks about the fact that there was a group of people called the Rechabites. Now, these people, um, they actually joined, they are not Israelites, but I believe that they saw something in the God of Israel. Because at the time, there was so much wars, and because of their nature, they wanted to affiliate themselves with a nation that would make them feel very secure. And I believe that this applies to our lives as children of God, you know, in our community, in our workplaces, in our homes, and everywhere we find ourselves in, we should create that aura of God. You know, we should live our lives in such a way that people around will have confidence in the God that we serve. That is how we can be good ambassadors of God. So I believe that the Rechabites saw how God, you know, performed great miracles in the people of, in the life of the Israelites, how God did wonderful things, and they realized that we believe that these people have a good God. So let us affiliate ourselves you know, to them. So I pray that your life will pull others to Christ. Hallelujah. Now, these Rechabites are descendants of a man called Jehonadab. And this Jehonadab's father was called Rechab. So that was why they were called the Rechabites. Now, when you read scripture, the Bible says that Jehonadab gave instructions to his clan, his people. He told them that, do not drink wine. You know, do not you and your descendants and then your wives, don't give in to alcohol, don't drink wine. And then he also told them that they should not build houses, rather they should live in tents. You know, they, they should not plant. All that they were doing was that they were living a nomadic lifestyle. And this was a command their forefather Jehonadab gave to them over 200 years ago. You know, from the time, you know, he gave that instruction to the time of Jeremiah was like 200 years ago. But they held on, you know, they were able to pass on this, this instruction from generation to generation, and they were able to stay away from alcohol, they lived the life that their forefather told them to live. And it was so striking that God wanted to use these people as a reference to the people of Israel. So at the time, in the time of Jeremiah, you know, we call him the weeping prophet. God wanted to tell his people something, but they were so adamant, they were not ready to listen to anything God was saying, they were giving in to sin. 
they were given into adultery and all that. So God wanted to draw the minds of Israel back to him again. And then he used the people who are the Rechabites as a reference. So what he told Jeremiah was that, this is my word to you, Jeremiah. Go to the clan of the Rechabites who live amongst you. Invite them into the temple. Now when you invite them into the temple, you know, set pots of wine and let them drink. God wanted to teach them something. So Jeremiah obeyed. He called the entire clan of the Rechabites into the temple. He set pots of wine before them and then he asked them to drink. And this was what we just read. They told Jeremiah that you are a prophet, you are a priest. You know, you speak the mind of God. We know that everything you say is powerful because you are like an oracle of God. But we are not going to, you know, follow what you are telling us. And, and maybe this is just side off, but this tells us that as children of God, we should also build our faith and know the word of God. There are times, you know, you can even have false shepherds giving false directions. But the question is, what is the word of God saying? So let us build our strength in the word of God. Let us know the word of God so we will not be swayed away. But, you know, God wanted to teach the people of Israel a lesson. They told them that our, our forefathers, you know, Jehonadab told us 200 years ago that we should not give in to wine. And since that time, none of our children, none of our generation has ever drank wine up to this time. He asked us to live a nomadic lifestyle, and that is how we have lived and by the grace of God, we've been preserved to this time. I'm sorry you're a prophet of God, but we are not going to obey this, even if it is God who is telling you, you know. And God, you know, was, was actually struck by this. And then he told Jeremiah, just look at what these people told you. They were given a commandment by just a mere mortal man. Over 200 years ago, this man has died. His sons have lived. His sons have died. Generations have come and gone. And 200 years up to that time, they still hold on to this instruction. Look at you people of Israel. What haven't I done for you as God? So many things. I've done so many things, so many miracles. I've proved myself faithful on your behalf. But you keep on disobeying me. Now this is my lesson to you. Learn from the Rechabites. Amen. So this is basically, you know, what actually transpired. And as I was reading the word of God, I just wanted to, you know, God was just dropping some lessons in my spirit. I just want us to share together. You know, I just want us to share uh, some of the lessons I think I gathered from, from this scripture. One lesson I realized is, you know, God is love and God is long-suffering. And this is one great attribute of God that no other so-called God, you know, will ever have. We serve a God who is so full of love and so full of compassion and, and he's so patient. When you look at verse 15, the Bible says that again and again I sent, even from the verse 14, the Bible says God said that again and again I have told you, you know. And then the verse 15, he continues and says, again and again I have sent all my servants, the prophets, to you. So God kept on speaking to the people of Israel again and again. He sent prophets, he sent men of God to warn them about, you know, what they were doing again and again. Telling us that God always gives us chances. Hallelujah. He gives us chance to change. He's full of mercy. He's full of compassion. When you read the book of Ephesians 2, 1 to 5, the Bible says something about God. You know, as for you, you were dead in your trans- transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in, in those who are disobedient. 
all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of the great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. Hallelujah. So our God is so rich in mercy. Our God is so rich in mercy and his grace is so much sufficient and abundant unto us. When you read the book of Ezekiel 33, 11, the Bible says that God said he does not desire in the death of the sinner, but rather it is his will that the sinner will turn from what his evil ways and that he will be saved. So just imagine God wanting a sinner to, to be saved. How will you and I who have been already saved? God always loves us. So even when we are veering off, he keeps on telling us his word. He keeps on ministering to us. In our spirit, in our closet, even as we pray, he does in our spirit. Where we are going, it's not right. Turn away. When you come to church, you know, people, people the word of God also speaks to us. This is all hammering the fact that God is full of mercy, hammering the fact that God still loves us, hammering the fact that he's not angry at us, but he wants us to be saved. Hallelujah. So I see God telling the people of Israel over and over again, by himself and even through the prophets, that they should come back to him. It tells us that God is a merciful God. So if you are battling with any sin, you are battling with any struggles, tonight the word of God is telling us that he still loves you. He is assuring us that his love never ceases. He never, he never sees it. When you, when you look at these gods of the, of, of the world, you know, you sin and then they cut you off. You know, people go to, you know, fetish, fetish priests, you know, go for charms and go for so many things, and then they are given some strict rules and regulations, and when they don't follow it, you know, they are harmed, they are killed. That is not the God we serve. The God we serve is a merciful God. So let's embrace the mercies of God. Let's, let's embrace the grace of God, which is sufficient to help us to overcome the challenges that we go through. So God loved them. He extended his grace and his mercy to them. So this is one lesson I learned from the life of you know, the Rechabites, the story of the Rechabites. Now the second thing I, I also gather is that it is imperative on us you know, to teach our children the ways of God. You know, to teach our children the ways of God. When you look at the story critically, the Bible said that from the time, you know, Jeremiah called these people, you know, to the time that commandment was made was like 200 years. You know, and it's a lot. 200 years, so many things would have happened, you know, culture changes, you know, economic changes, lifestyle changes, so many things, you know, crept in. I believe that, you know, those who were born in the 80s and 60s and 70s will realize that things have even changed in the 2000s. You know, it is said that, you know, when you are 10 years apart, it means you are in different generations. That is what I read. I don't know how true it is. So just imagine 200 years, it means 10 times 20. You know, so many years have passed. Things have changed. The possibility of these people kotoing or giving in or changing their mind from the instruction they were given was very high. But Bible said that up to that time, they still held on to that instruction. And I believe that it is because the fathers who came were able to instruct and teach their children the command that God gave them. So as children of God, it is telling us that we should teach our children the ways of God. You know, we should teach our children the ways of God. When you read the book of Genesis chapter 18, verse 17 to 19, 
Bible says something about Abraham. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. And all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Hallelujah. So, So sometimes, you know, God actually needs us in order to promote his promises, to make his promises, you know, true in our lives. You know, God had already told Abraham that I'll bless you. And there was, there was nothing to stop that blessing, you know. But Abraham had to play a role, you know. His blessing was not just a blessing for, his, for, him, for himself. His blessing transcended generation even up to now. Because the Bible says you and I are what? Descendants of Abraham. So, so that blessing held because fathers did their work by trying to make sure that from time to time, what God had said, they taught their children. So God was telling Abraham that, yes, I'll make you, you know, a father of many nations. So many you know, people will be blessed through you. But then, direct your children and your household in the way of the Lord. So Isaac will learn from you. Jacob will learn from you. Joseph will learn from you. And it keeps on going and going and going. So it is, it is imperative that we teach our children the ways of God, just like the Rechabites did and taught their children. It is very difficult, especially in our generation and time like this, but Bible says that our children, are, we, are, we are stewards of our children. You know, so as much as possible, let's put in the word of God into their hearts. Let's teach them the word of God and then pray for them and leave the rest to God. You know, sometimes what happens, when you do your part, God knows you did your part. You know, so many things happen, but he just wants us to show that, that, that effort. Bible says that train up the child the way he should go. And when he grow, he will not depart from it. You know. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 to 9, when you read um, the account of Moses, God gave him so many instructions. And then he was saying that these instructions should be passed on to their children. He said, I impress, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your, on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So these are the words God gave to, you know, Moses. If these words of God will be able to move on, if our children will be able to hold on to the word of God, we need to tell them, you know, we need to speak the word of God to them. When you look at the Muslim community, you realize that they, they really take so much commitment in, in trying to teach their children about this Arabic and this Islam laws, you know. You know, sometimes, almost every week in the evenings, they go... In Ghana, there was this term called Makaranta. I know people know. They are always busy having their bags, going to study Arabic, going to study, you know, the Quran. They, they take so much pain, you know. We Christians, we normally, you know, have our children coming on Sundays to learn the word of God, which is good, you know, which is something that we should always push. But apart from, you know, Sundays at home, let us teach them the word of God. Let us teach them the word of God. Somebody said that Christian parents ensure that their children go to school, do their homework daily before they, they sleep. But they don't mind if their child missed church or their child missed reading the Bible. Okay, so we pray that God helps us so that we'll be able to teach our children the word of God. We live in a permissive society. There are so many things that, you know, battles with our kids. 
You know, even as you teach them at home, when they go to school, there's also a different theology altogether, you know. So just imagine you not telling them anything at all about the word of God. You're not teaching them the Bible at all. What is going to happen? But as we speak the word of God to them, you know, it drops into their heart. And God himself, through his spirit, you know, works. So when there are any counterclaims from the enemy, counter thoughts from the enemy, they're able to battle it out with the word of God. So I realized that these people were able to teach their children. And that is why this instruction or this tradition was able to stand for 200 years. We pray that God gives us the grace, hallelujah, that our children will also be attentive and God will give them an obedient heart to learn what we teach them about the word of God. And then the last thing I would, lesson I would add, there are so many lessons, is that we are pilgrims on earth. We are pilgrims on earth. When you look at the instructions that they were given, you know, Bible says that their father, their forefather told them not to, not to build. They should live in tents. They should be living a nomadic lifestyle. They should just, you know, and I was just thinking, what kind of reckless life is this? <laughs> yeah, you know, they, 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 they were just living their life. They weren't bothered so much, so much about material stuff. And, and this is not to say that as a child of God, you don't need to do properties. As a child of God, you don't need to build something for yourself. God is actually, you know, supportive of we being prosperous, building a legacy for ourselves and that for our children. So this is not to say that live a reckless life, you know, but it is just to tell you that we are pilgrims on earth. When, when you read um, 3 John, verse 2, you know, John said that I, I wish above all things that you prosper, you know, and be in good health, even as you're so prosperous. So God is actually a God who wants his children to prosper. Let's read something in Psalm 35, verse 27. May those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they always say, The Lord be exalted, who delights in the well-being of his servant. When you read that scripture, it says that the Lord, you know, he pleasures in the prosperity of his servant. So God wants us to prosper. So I pray that may the Lord cause you to prosper. Amen. And even as you prosper, don't lose sight of the fact that you are just, you know, a pilgrim. You know, you are just a pilgrim. Um, most, most often people forget about eternity, even believers. People forget about the fact that God will be coming again, you know. So sometimes they, they engross themselves so much in the material blessings that they have received. But we should always have at the back of our mind that Jesus will come again. And when, when we have that at the back of our mind, we are always prepared. We look out for our, you know, to our ways and make sure that we are right in the presence of God. And that, that actually helps us as children of God. There was one, one gentleman in my, in my church who, who needed a job badly. He wanted a job, you know. And then we had an elder in our church who, who was very rich. You know, he was a clearing agent. I don't know how Americans will call it, but in Ghana, clearing agents are when people ship, you know, cars and other stuff from abroad. You know, they are the people who make sure that the cars are cleared and the owners are able to get, you know, their cars and all that. And, and these people are noted to be crooks, you know. They are, they are really fraudsters. They, they will do everything, falsify every document, and, and you bring a car that is worth, let's say, um, 50000 let's say, dollars, and at the end of the day, he will make sure that he's going to get almost half of that money, you know. And, and it, is, it is a very difficult job to do as a Christian, you know, that particular, just like, um, you know, Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector. It, it will be 
Bible says that uh, uh, pagans are even likened to tax collectors. That was that's how bad the work of a clearing agent is. But you know, this young man needed a job, so he he's been looking for a job. He he has no job, and he spoke to this elder. Normally, the elder tries to avoid getting members of the church into his job because they get to know the kind of dealings and the things that he does. But the guy was a good guy. He was very helpful at church, you know, playing instrument. He, he does everything, but he doesn't have a job. So he said he would help him. He brought him into the job. And the account the guy gave concerning the nitty-gritties in that particular job, he was like, oh, my God. He, looks, he, he thinks nobody doing this job will ever go to heaven. And even sometimes when he looks at the dealings of the elder at the workplace, you know, the kind of fictitious documents they have to sign, the kind of things that they have to do. And then on Sunday, you come to church, praise God, give big offerings and all that. But so many things are going on at the workplace. I'm just trying to talk about the fact that if we are too much engrossed in material things, we lose sight of our calling as children of God. So let's, let's just know that we are pilgrims. You know, we are pilgrims on earth. When you look at the four square gospel, you know, we say Jesus Christ is the Savior, Jesus Christ is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is the healer, and Jesus Christ is the soon coming king. You know, most often believers can live throughout the month, you know, considering all the first three, you know, Jesus is my Savior, the Holy Spirit gives me strength, you know, when I'm sick, Jesus heals me. But you know, sometimes we forget about the fact that he's the soon coming king. So let us have eternity at the back of our minds and in our hearts. And even as we live through life, we are able to guide our ways with the word of God. Philippians 3.20 says that we are citizens of heaven. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you and I are citizens of heaven. We are awaiting the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us live our lives as people who are ready for God. So these are the few, you know, there are more lessons, but as time will permit, these are the lessons I learned from the Rechabites. You know, we should be able to teach our children the ways of God. Let us not lose sight of eternity because we are citizens of heaven. And I believe that as we do all these things, the Lord will bless us. Let's not lose sight that God is a loving God. He's so full of mercy. And when we go to him, he's able to give us grace and mercy even for the time of need. So to this morning, may the Lord bless us for his word. And I pray that as you go, you can read more about this story and the Spirit of God will drop more lessons in your heart. It is my prayer that the Lord bless his word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Shall we bow down our heads for a short prayer? We thank you and bless your name, our most high God, for this morning. Thank you, Lord God Jesus, for the lessons we've learned today. You've made us to understand that you are a God who is full of mercy. You are rich in compassion. We thank you and we give you all the praise. It's our prayer that you, be, you help us by the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to emulate this life of the Rechabites. Help us, O oh Lord, not to lose sight of your coming. So we'll be able to align our ways according to your will. We pray committing our, our lives to you, O oh God. Let us be able to impact your word onto our children. It's our prayer that you give our children the heart of obedience to be able to receive the things that we teach them. And we pray into their life and ask that even as they grow, may they not depart from your word. If there be any child of anyone here who has gone wayward, we pray that by virtue of your word, may you bring these children back in the name of Jesus. Let your spirit re-echo your word into their hearts and into into their spirits. 
that they will know that indeed they are children of God. We pray for more grace, O oh God. We pray committing today's service also into your hands. We pray that let it be a blessed service. Let it be a wonderful service. Let our lives not be the same. That at the end of the day, we will give you praise and honor. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.